the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's Lifeline with Craig Roberts. He's the host of Northern California's longest-running conservative talk show. He's a man with a message, a conservative with compassion. He's Lifeline's own Craig Roberts. Good afternoon, Northern California. Welcome. Just about five minutes after the hour of 5 p.m. as we welcome you to another edition of Lifeline. Keeping you company Monday through Friday at this time, as we typically do, addressing issues that impact your life, your world, and your Christian walk. These days, if you think about the key elements in making a church successful, take several things. For the pastor, it calls on administrative skills, fundraising abilities, church growth skills as well. Yet rarely do we find one individual that excels in all three. It's it's quite seldom. And as a result, a lot of churches perhaps struggle. If we take a look at the landscape today, we know that um, more often than not, churches are, are struggling to try to kind of find that, that sensitive balance to be successful at what they do. These days, there are plenty of TV programs and talk about makeovers, everything from new hair, clothing, and makeup for a whole new you to the redesign of a restaurant and a new menu back at the kitchen. But what about a redesign for a church? What about a makeover for a church? Well, there's a brand new program that will give your church a potential faith lift. It debuts this coming Monday, November the 11th at 10 p.m. Pacific on Nat Geo. And joining us right now on this edition of Lifeline, we're pleased to have the church hoppers join us today, Rev. Glad and Doc. And guys, great to have you with us. It's great to be here, Craig. Thank you. Let's talk a bit about the concept behind all of this. As I mentioned, a lot of folks that have any experience in, in church growth or day-to-day operation of a church recognize it takes an awful lot of skills. There's kind of the, the front end of things, the outreach, the evangelism, the church growth side. Then there's the operational side of things, the, the business end, the raising the money, the spending the money to keep every aspect of the church alive, healthy, and moving forward. You really have to have skills at an awful lot of areas, but I suspect it's few and far between to find a church congregation that has leadership that excels in all these areas. Well, you're exactly right, Craig, and it's hard to find a business that would excel in all three of those areas as well. I can tell you from experience. So that's why the three of us decided as, as leaders individually to join forces and create a consulting company called the Church Hoppers that ultimately has the trio of what we feel like ministry is missing in consulting and in coaching. Most ministers that have been through seminary and are leading a church, pastoring a church, the last thing they need is someone telling them how to preach their sermon or how to uh, more effectively reach the congregation through the Spirit. They they have avenues having gone through years of education and, and mentorship for those elements. But what most church leaders lack is, is the very thing that you explained. They lack strategic expertise in business the overall business plan of the church, um, and it's not about—it's not just about making money. Business is not about making money. It's about be- being effective at whatever you're passionate about. 
and they certainly lack the human resource element in a lot of times, a lot of cases, especially on the inside. You know, it's easy to do ministry to folks, but sometimes it's hard to be ministered to, especially when you're in church leadership. And we say that from experience. And then, you know, how, how are they promoting their ministry to their tar- target audience? Uh, which target audience obviously would be a business term, so let's say to their community, the people that they're trying to reach. So those three areas are where myself, RevKev, my partner Doc, and my partner Gladimir, we go into these ministries and we try to help improve them in those areas. And if nothing else, we're providing them with an outside perspective of those areas. So you guys are bringing unique sense of uh, skills to the table that cover really every aspect of, of church operation from both kind of the, the back end, so to speak, and to that I refer the operational side, the business side, to the front end, how you're reaching the community, how you're grabbing them, and then ultimately how you're keeping them. That's correct. Um, this is glad. Um, we we, we kind of take a, a comprehensive look at everything. There's a lot of research that we put into um, uh, a, a consulting opportunity before we before we ever even walk in and do our our hop as we call it. We we do a lot of research. We've been contacted by these ministries. We start to entrench ourselves in the in the culture and their community, understanding who they are as a congregation, the people that um, you know that they're trying to attract. And it, it is true in, in in church culture, whether or not we want to uh, embrace it or not, we, we surround ourselves with individuals that are are like us, and that's why there are so many uh, churches out there across the denominational lines. Because no church is perfect for everybody, so we, we help them find their unique um, DNA. And and my particular area is kind of the parking lot to pulpit. I I like to start evaluating everything that we do from the moment that I, I lay eyes on the facility. And I think a lot of times folks don't really pay a great deal of attention to that because they feel like because of, you know, the fact that the spirit is being, you know, spoke about and, and ushered in to these ministries that sometimes the things that people see and experience kind of get left, you know, to the back burner. So, so, so it's kind of when you guys then uh, swoop in on a community, you kind of go in the front door kind of like a, like a customer, so to speak, the consumer side of things. And I, and I for the benefit of the audience, I, I don't wish to seem to be um, demeaning the spiritual side of, of what we do in church ministry by, by no means. But let's face it, if you're new to a town and you're driving down the street and you see on a corner an old, tired, dilapidated building, you're not even quite sure that it's a church, then you, you kind of discover there's a reader board over covered with, with ivy and that looks like the church hasn't been painted in 30 years, there it's going to be less attractive for you to want to go and sample that church Sunday morning with your family than a church maybe a couple of blocks down with nicely mowed lawns. They've kept up the manicuring of all of the shrubbery. The church is freshly painted. It looks inviting. So I guess we have to look at some of this as kind of like a like a consumer, don't we? Oh, Craig, dude, uh, you're a church hopper. Um, we, we indoctrinate you as an honorary church hopper already. <laughs> so absolutely. I mean, you've got it. Um, you know, you think about the retail environment, the consumer culture that we live in, and how things rapidly change around us. I mean, go into any retail environment, and I promise you, one week to the next, you're not going to see the exact same things at the front door. Uh, and, and in almost all of them, you're going to see a well-manicured, well-maintained facade that anybody would be proud to shop 
stop at that place. So, I mean, you couldn't be more right on, on that particular element. It's perfect. We live in a consumer culture, and we've got to think like that. We've got to, we've got to preserve the integrity of the things that we value and believe in, and we've got to do it in a way that is attractive to something you said there a minute ago that was perfect, attractive to your potential customer. And that is your community, the people that you're trying to connect with. They are your church's customer, and that is very important. Doc, when you guys roll into a church um, and you sit down after you've had a uh, had chance to do your investigation and now uh, come up with an action plan, are a lot of pastors shocked at much of what you share? And I ask that question because I think of the way I sing in the shower. I am I could be a rival of Pavarotti. I'm so good, and yet and yet I read. Realize if I if I try to carry a tune down the hallway here at the radio station, most people dive for cover, and I hear office doors slamming all about me. It, it never quite sounds to us the way it sounds to others. So we're inclined to think we preach the best sermons, we've got the greatest choir, we have the the best oratory skills from the pulpit side, looking out toward the congregation. Are they shocked to find out that the congregation doesn't always agree? Well, Craig. My perspective on this is a lot like if you came to my house and my wife and I had a had a basket of clothes that was there. And that, those basket of clothes been there for about three or four weeks, five weeks. And you walked into my house, you looked and you said, why is that basket of clothes sitting in the floor? I've been there so long that I don't even see that basket mm. of clothes. And that's the same thing that's going on in church today. We in church have gotten so used to doing the same thing over and over and over again that we do not even realize what we're doing. And what happens is, is when we as church hoppers come in and we, we deal with this world that they're, they're in, it is a shock to them because many times the ministers and the, and the staff, they don't realize exactly what's going on. Rev Kev is, is the confronter of our group. He confronts a lot. Uh, myself, I'm the convincer. I'm convincing people that, that they can be who they are and the uniqueness. And then Gladimir, he's the comforter. He comforts those ministers in many cases. So when we come in as a whole, we realize our position, but we also realize that many times when we bring the truth out to them, that sometimes it's embraced, sometimes it takes a little while to get there, but in the end, the specialness is they get to be who they are, and they will embrace that at the end. Change, of course, can be challenging for any of us to accept and to embrace, but change is what the church hoppers are bringing to churches all across America. The new series, as we mentioned, will premiere this coming Monday. That'll be at 10 p.m. Pacific on the National Geographic Channel, and it's an opportunity to learn how to rethink the way we do church. It's not suggesting that it's necessarily broken, but some churches can use a facelift in some areas or another to maximize the impact of their ministry and make sure that they're doing everything everything that they can to serve the community in which they reside. Again, the program premieres this coming Monday at 10 p.m. Pacific on Nat Geo. We'll take a brief time out. We'll come back to more of our conversation with the Church Hoppers as this edition of Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. 
Welcome back to Lifeline. If you've just joined us on this edition, we're visiting with the Church Hoppers. We've got Rev, Glad, and Doc with us. A brand new series debuts this coming Monday. That's Monday, November the 11th at 10 p.m. on Nat Geo. Church Hoppers essentially swoops into a town or a community and helps bring about change to churches that are struggling. Now, you mentioned um, just before the break, Doc, about some of the resistance that's often met. How do you go about smoothing that over when, when churches tend to kind of be steeped in the way they do things. Tradition for many, um, certainly many denominations, is a big, rich, important part of our history and our heritage. You guys roll into town and say, now, wait a minute, you got to make some changes here. How do you deal with that kind of resistance? Well, I think what we look at many times is, is we understand their DNA a lot more than they do. And I believe that because we're on the outside looking in. Sometimes when you're on the inside, it's so close to you, you do not realize it. So in resistance, the resistance actually becomes a power. Because in the, in, in the whole process, it's about a win-win. Many occasions, let's say that we have a minister that, that is resistant to something that we, we believe that's there. Well, the truth of the matter is, if, they, if we can convince them to do what they don't want to do, that may, that, that's going to be an asset, because what they do is they stand up for what they really believe. What we're finding more than anything else with these ministers, if they will stand up for what they believe, then it makes an impact. But when you do not stand up for what you believe, then I think the Scripture talks about you're cast to and fro, and, and you're unsure. You reach for one thing, and it works, and then you reach for something else, then it doesn't. The power of the conflict then becomes the power of the church hoppers because we're actually able to orchestrate a direction for them that they will fight for. So you just, that's what we're looking for. You're essentially then you're flipping that energy. I mean, obviously a church that is passionate about what it does, and there might be somebody in the congregation that wants to resist change, and they will stand up, and they will be vocal about it, and they'll, they'll state their case and, and argue their viewpoint in front of the board of deacons and, and an elders meeting with great passion. What you want to do then essentially is redirect that passion and energy in a positive direction direction that can get the church moving forward again. Well, that's true. Craig, this is Rev Kev. One of our strategies, which we'll share with you, is that uh, in a lot of cases, off-camera and in some cases on-camera during episodes, you'll find that we are strategically trying to get the, the church leadership to unite again as a team. And in some cases, that's against us for a short period of time. So you're exactly right. We're taking that energy and that passion that they may have misdirected and uniting it again, creating a nucleus of power, and then in, for a short period of time, in a lot of cases, and as, as Doc uh, accurately described me, I, I'm typically the guy that's going to confront these pastors on issues. So as you'll see in the Country Salvation episode that's premiering Monday night, November the 11th, uh, there are there is some, some scenes in there where Pastor Roseburg and I, um, we, we, we got, let's just say we got a little excited with each other. And, uh, but he never doubted our, our love for his ministry, our love for the word that he's teaching, and our passion for the cause of Christ. So really and then is a rethink in the sense that we need to move from the, particularly from the pastor's standpoint, the me versus then, which, which sadly is kind of what is sort of an indicator, I think, of the beginning of the demise of a church when it's the pastor against the congregation. And so it's rethinking that no longer me versus them, it becomes us. It becomes teamwork then to move the church forward. That's exactly right. That That is, we are successful 
when we leave a congregation after the reveal, which is the uh, the celebration of the things that were accomplished both inside and the construction makeover, when we leave that congregation and, and see the, the united front again, then we feel like we've been successful. We mentioned about the premiere coming up on Monday. Again, uh, for listeners, that's Monday, November the 11th, 10 p.m. Pacific on Nat Geo. Um, in terms of some of the, the highlights that you guys can share with us of the shows that have been taped so far, what do you expect the viewer, the listener, to take away from this program? Well, this is glad. I think they're going to take away uh, a few things. They're going to get to see, as we've mentioned and, and, and spoke about many times so far, about uh, the, the leaders unifying and, and, and coming together and, and, and being you know, passionate about what they're doing. You're going to get to see a unique style of worship. It's going to be different every single week because we're going to be hopping all kinds of different uh, religious organizations from cowboy churches to biker churches to uh, Jewish shul. Uh, the first episode, uh, you know, a, a country church out in Vail, North Carolina, and then you're going to see a physical transformation of the facility. So the viewer is going to get, um, uh, along with that format, uh, the personalities of the church hoppers. You got you got Rev Kev and Doc and I that. You know, frankly, we don't always agree. You know, we, we, we poke fun at each other and we have fun within the, within the format of the show and, uh, and our strategies. You know, when we come together uh, as a team, that's a, that's a fun experience. So the viewer is going to be able to, to get to know us as, as individuals and our personalities, see these churches unify. You'll get to see their unique style of worship. And in ultimately the real reveal service, you'll get to see that all come together in a physical transformation of the facility. And when you guys roll in to do that, I mean, it, it really is um, nuts to bolts, isn't it, in terms of not just the way the facility looks inside and outside, but also, too, in terms of uh, the presentation, the engagement of the community, which I guess for some congregations is becoming more challenging if we look at the advancement of technology these days. My goodness, um, on average, uh, young people today get more news and information watching the Comedy Central program with Jon Stewart or details off of Facebook or Instagram or Twitter than they receive from the the old uh, stodgy uh, network evening uh, nightly news program. So are there aspects, too, when you're helping churches better understand the way in which they can integrate with technology, too? Well, this is Rev Kev. Absolutely. As a matter of fact, I'm not sure how many times it, uh, it exposes itself on the show, but I can tell you in our daily consulting efforts with ministries all over this country that one of the greatest needs they have is, is uh, assistance with, with social media uh, website enhancement or in some cases development um, because our our leadership our church leadership on average is is a is an aging group of individuals so uh, yet another change you know we don't ask the churches we, we never ask the church to change their 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 belief system or their 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 message all we're asking them to do is much like Tylenol done uh, when I was a child they went from only offering it in a liquid form to offering that Tylenol in a, in a multiplicity of, of different ways. And so that's what we're asking these churches to do. And social media, uh, using IT, is, is definitely a way that most churches can use our, our help. And again, for the, the pastor to understand, this is not a, a question, as you point out, 
a rev of changing the message. I mean, if we think about the cathedrals that were built uh, four or five hundred years ago, they had great acoustics. Why? Because they needed to carry the human voice throughout the entire sanctuary because amplification simply didn't exist. It hadn't been invented yet. But today now, we design sanctuaries for comfort and for seating and for visual, and we're less concerned about the acoustics because we have amplification. The message hasn't changed in all those years, but the methodology in which we deliver the message changes. And, and maybe to some degree, that is that kind of a, a core aspect of the message that you guys are communicating on the Church Rescue? Well, it is. Uh, we, we ultimately are living by the Great Commission that Jesus Christ um, commanded the church to do. And what we're, our, our sole purpose to boil it down is to see the church grow numerically, financially, spiritually, and physically. If we can accomplish that with efforts from our experiences, both successes and failures from our individual aspects, then we've been successful. This is certainly going to tune in, uh, turn out to be a, a tune-in, a must-tune-in, I should say, uh, for listeners every week, and you can get treated to the premiere broadcast. The new series, again, premieres this coming Monday, November 11th, at 10 p.m. Pacific on Nat Geo, and it is Church Rescue with Rev Kev, Glad, and Doc. It's going to be an exciting time, an opportunity for uh, not only the church that is undergoing the makeover to experience how to move the church forward stronger, but even for the viewer. There's going to be a lot of great takeaways, so make it a point to tune in again this Monday, 10 p.m. Pacific on Nat Geo. Well, guys, we appreciate the time and the insights. It sounds like it's going to be a fun program, and thanks for dropping by and spending some time with us today. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. Joining me here today in studio, a very familiar voice to KFAX listeners down through the years. In fact, many of us get our day started with him as a part of Daybreak, heard weekday mornings at 6.30 a.m. right here on KFAX. From Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, Pastor Don Sheely and Pastor Don, a delight to have you in studio with us today. Good to be with you, sir. Perhaps not many people in the audience know of the story of Pastor Don Sheely and Church of the Highlands and the amazing work that's gone up there in San Bruno for the last 50-something years, and how that um, Church of the Highlands and your work there was kind of a pause for a moment, a long moment, in, in your ministry and in a burden that God had put in your heart in an entirely different direction, even as you have ministered here and led that congregation for so many years. I understand that many years ago... God had put a burden on your heart for the area of, called Borneo right. in Southeast Asia. Tell us a bit about that. Well, I think, Craig, the, the whole concept of our church has been missions, but it's been unique in that we have had, instead of maintaining missionaries on the field, we have made our missionary, pro, uh, missionary goals selecting projects, and then we would go to a field and, and evaluate the project and see how, how it could be done and the cost so forth. And so our congregation over the last 40 years has worked with projects. Years ago, we went to Africa and we uh, saw how easy it would be to build churches out in, in uh, Africa. So we built churches in Africa. We went to India and um, um, Mark Montaigne, the great missionary there in Calcutta, uh, was a close friend of ours, and so we helped Mark select his site for the big hospital there in Calcutta and became a part of that project. And so we've moved around the world, and I have found that by doing it in projects, you can set a, set a goal, you're going to get your congregation tuned into that goal, 
and that's what's on their mind. And when it's finished, there's a sense of completion. Whereas many missionary programs within the church is you send $100 here and $100 there over a period of time. Uh, project goal missionary work has, gives a sense of satisfaction. And so there's something to be said, too, Pastor Don, about the effectiveness of that, in that there is a certain expense when it comes to preparing a missionary to go overseas. They have to learn the culture. They have to learn the language. There are expenses involved in there. So many of your projects have been oriented toward training up local missionaries, meaning right. in-country nationals who don't have language barriers, who don't have to raise huge amounts of money because they're local. And as a result, the level of effectiveness in helping to sort of um, um, naturally see sort of an organic growth of the church in country uh, has been extremely successful, hasn't it? Yeah, we for many years, in other words, we select an area of the world and probably concentrate there for two or three years. Some years ago, we selected the Philippine Islands. And down in Mindanao, there was a training center there for the locals for mission work. And so we purchased, I think it was 40 acres, and we planted a rubber plantation with, I think, 1,100 rubber trees. Now that plantation underwrites all the cost mm-hmm. for operating that training center. And so uh, the joy of getting a project done brings great excitement. But what you do when you move the projects every three years, you change the focus of the congregation. And uh, what brought us to Borneo, Craig, was we had spent a lot of time working in the Philippine Islands. And we ventured across the uh, border from Malaysia into Indonesia. About 30 minutes in, there was this uh, work of for orphans. And we, of course, helped very much. We built many of the classrooms and were involved. We sent in a back hole digger and so forth. But one day, we were talking about the mission work there in Borneo, and the uh, builder who had come there to help in Mount Hope told us about Ronnie's ministry deep in the jungle. Now, that fascinated me. I thought, now, go to the middle of the jungle and create a, a ministry. So I said, the next time we come... We've got to go find this man in the middle of the jungle. So as a result, uh, we made it there. It was a very, very difficult road to get there. It's about 12 hours of washboard roads. And it was late in the evening. We'd been delayed because of cart problems and so forth, and probably 11 o'clock at night. And we were right in the middle of the jungle, and all of a sudden we came over the top of a hill, and I saw all these streetlights of a city. And... It absolutely thrilled me that how do you build a city in the middle of the jungles? And as soon as we arrived, uh, we, of course, met Ronnie, and we became fascinated. Here is an 800-acre project or more with a goal of a 1,000 children, schools, medical centers, hospitals, airfield. I mean, it's a complete city. And I've always enjoyed working with men who have great minds, who have a great dream, Way back in the uh, 70s, we visited Korea when Dr. Hong, who had a Christian school there, he would uh, he had escaped from North Korea. Today, he has a Christian school of 16,000 children, but a tremendous vision. God can do anything. And when I met Ronnie, I thought to myself, here's a guy that's much like Dr. Hong. He has a vision, and uh, he has a simple faith. And when I walked around that campus that day and saw about 60 buildings, 
and realizing that all that building material had to be brought in through that crazy road. And um, to see it, to see those hundreds and hundreds of children having a marvelous time, sitting there in the uh, cafeteria, eating, going to their schools, I thought, now here's a project that we would like to become a part of. Wasn't there part of this, Pastor Don, that was kind of fulfillment of a burden that had been on your heart for many, many years? Correct. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, but it was my understanding that you had a burden to head off to Borneo to do missions work there correct. at the point at which God called you to Church of the Highlands. So it was almost as if God paused that for a moment, gave you another assignment, and then when you completed or fulfilled that work... God said, okay, time to pick up where we left off almost five decades ago. When we entered the ministry, we had a missions burden. So we were going to act as a fill-in missionary for missionaries who came home on furlough. And so they sent us over to Hong Kong, where they set up our apartment and sent a car over. And we got stuck in a church. So I've had a a detour for 50 years. Mm -hmm. We... Uh, I always wanted, I love missionary work, but we got stuck in mis- work doing here. And uh, as a result... Had a great place to get stuck, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> but um, uh, the dream was always been... And then, Craig, there's a, a fascination inside me. Where is the end of the world? Go to the ends of the mm. world. Um, well, so when we had our Bible college in Ukraine back in 89 when the Iron Curtain mm. fell, here's Siberia. I thought, I'd like to go to Siberia. And so I talked with a couple of missionaries, and we ended up in Magadan, Siberia, which is as far from uh, as far as you can get in the Russian country. And um, we started a, a Bible college in Magadan, Siberia. And as a result of that, um, that part of the world now has, has pastors that are pastoring many of the churches. And so Borneo has always fascinated me because I know that it's one of the uh, most, uh, uh, probably the most, trying to think of a word, we're so backward. I mean, no, it's not, it's not modern. Uh, it, it's a good definition of uttermost. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uttermost. It's uttermost. And so I always wanted to go there. And when I heard about Ronnie's project, I thought, here's our opportunity. And, of course, Tony, being our missionary pastor, has been by my side. And uh, when I got to... Ronnie's project. I knew we had uh, reached a uh, project that I believe, Craig, with all my heart, and I say this in Ronnie's presence, this will go down as one of the great missionary endeavors of the of the century. You know, we understand the concept of Judea and Samaria, and, and hopefully as believers we all have a passion for the Lord to share our faith with others, and in doing so can reach our Judea and venture out occasionally into Samaria. Um, getting that uttermost, though, um, we know we need to pray for that. We know it needs to be reached. But I wonder how many of us pray and say, Lord, send me to the uttermost that I might fulfill your great commandment and great commission. There's a brand new book out that both Ronnie and Pastor Don Sheely have co-authored together telling the story of this miracle zone. In fact, that's the title of the book, Miracle Zone in the Jungles of Borneo. A brief time out, back with more as Lifeline continues. And now back to Lifeline with Craig Roberts. 
Welcome back to Lifeline. Craig Roberts along with our special in-studio guest today, Pastor Don Sheely from Church of the Highlands, speaker on Daybreak, heard weekday mornings at 6.30 a.m. here on KFAX. And with us from Borneo, yes, you heard right, Borneo, is Pastor Ronnie Habor. They are co-authors of a brand new book called Miracle Zone in the Jungles of Borneo. Pastor Sheely, this is really... Powers and principalities in high places. This is spiritual warfare. Correct. The likes of which many Western Christians don't really understand, do they? No, I think, you know, living here in the Western world, most of us do not understand how intense the spiritual powers are in some of these countries. And, um, you know, you really have to have a touch of God on your life because to deal with these spiritual issues, when you walk into you, you can actually feel. You feel demonic powers present. And um, so the, the challenge, uh, if a person went there just to be a professional missionary, he'd be gone in a few days. But to go there with a burden and a touch of God on your life, then you can see God at work in the lives of these people. Um, it's an experience that you can't explain. And this is not casual Christianity. This is not cultural Christianity. This is, I may lose my life because of who I name as Lord and Savior, Christianity. Absolutely. This is the battle for hearts and minds between goodness and evil and dark and light and the enemy himself and very God himself. This is that battle being played out right in front of our very eyes. Very much so. And I think Ronnie has in a number of situations where he's had to deal even with children who have been possessed and uh, they have their curses that have been placed upon them. And uh, But to deal with intense spiritual concerns and I've been in the ministry for a number of years and maybe only once or twice have I had to deal with intense demonic involvement but they're in the jungle that's where they live with and it really puts a perspective on all that we see in the New Testament and I think as much as there are some Christians in the West Ronnie that would look at the book of Acts for example as a history book and not realize that, yes, while it does give an account for what happened in the early church, in the early days of the establishment of the body of believers following Christ's resurrection, that it is also demonstrative of what real, authentic Christianity is all about. That we hear about miracles of demons being cast out or the blind seen or the lame walking in and we think well it wasn't it nice that God used to do those things and we don't realize that that is a part of God's world functioning every single day oh, absolutely. and that he uses these demonstrations of power large as we see again throughout the book of Acts amazing to see almost every time that somebody was healed then word spread about absolutely. and everybody in the village came to Christ yeah. uh, the thousands uh, were then led to see him as uh, not just a good man who walked the earth, but rather as truly being God himself. There is a manner in which your church here in the San Francisco Bay Area is actively engaging believers into literally going into the mission field in Borneo. Tell us a bit more about that. One of the exciting programs we're having at the church is we're taking over groups maybe once a year from our congregation and having them become involved. 
And in July, we have 22 of our young people plus some adults, 14 or 15 adults. And we sent over a, a exploratory team a couple of months ago so that we could find a project for these 22 kids. So Ronnie has set aside 10 acres on his in this area, and uh, they're presently digging the holes, and we're going to be planting an orchard, a, for, a fruit orchard, so that in a couple, three years, the children will be enjoying. But by sending our young people there, it is absolutely a life-changing experience. I was going to say, you know, so often people say, well, I'm going to go, we're going to go build um, homes in uh, Mexico because we want to do something for them. And we, when we come with this idea that we are going to minister to them, and while indeed that takes place, more often than not, the real ministry takes place as these people experience what God is doing there and then bring that back home to the Bay Area. Yeah, it's amazing. I think... And I have three wonderful boys that uh, God has given to us. And years ago, we used to send them to Mexico. And that experience of ministering in Mexico turned their hearts towards ministry. So I have the joy of having all three of my sons working with me. But our prayer is that when these young people go uh, in the next couple of months, that we're going to see some life-changing experiences. And they'll come home and ignite our youth group with their love for Christ and, and the experience of which they're going through. If it could only be made mandatory that as... Young people come to Jesus Christ, and they get involved in, in pure discipleship, and they learn to love the Lord, read His Word, uh, live out His Word, share that love with others, and then be required to go on a trip overseas and watch God work and be a part of yeah. that. Mm -hmm. And the, the change that happens when you come back, you're not the same person. Mm -hmm. And what we did as a church, we talked it over, it's quite a large sum, $3,000 to send one over to Borneo for two weeks. So what we did as a church, we put up the 2,000 so that all the youth had to do is raise 1,000, which was they were able to do. And so they have become, in a very real way, a part of the project. But the, we think it's a tremendous investment in the lives of young people as a church. I'm going to tell you, Pastor Don, at the end of the day, um, you, you couldn't do better if you sent him to seminary for 10 years. That's right. Because what God will do in that experience. You can get more information on the web, livingwatersvillage.com. That's livingwatersvillage.com. You've got photographs there. Folks can see yes. the entire uh, development. And as Pastor Sheely mentioned, 60-something buildings. It, it really is a miracle in the middle of that jungle yeah. there. And that's a great way to get educated about the ministry and, of course, uh, to lend support as well. And so if folks want to get more information, uh, maybe this is a, something you pray about and say, you know, uh, we'd like to be a part of this and stand with um, uh, the ministry of Ronnie Habor and the family there at Living Waters Village. Uh, pray for them, certainly. And then if the Lord puts the burden on your heart for economic support, uh, folks, I would imagine, can make a donation right through the website. They can. And they can come over as well and give us a hand if they want to. Well, so that's like right. In, in fact, yeah. just like the team coming from Church yeah. of the Highlands. And, uh, you know, if you want to be planted into a good dynamic church with solid Bible teaching and a real demonstrative passion for a Christian worldview that um, Judea, Samaria, uttermost parts, I guess that would be San Bruno, um, Northern California, and all the way into uh, the jungles of Borneo. Uh, check out Church of the Highlands, the broadcast, of course, weekday mornings at 6.30 a.m. right here on KFAX. You can get information on the web, churchofthehighlands.org. That's churchofthehighlands.org. And if listeners, Pastor Sheely, have a burden and say, you know what? 
This is exactly the kind of ministry I've been looking for. This is exactly the kind of thing that I'd I'd like to go and experience. Um, some of these trips uh, in the future are they open to folks coming and getting any more information about? Yes, we open going? Up, we open up the trips, and uh, the interesting thing about it, Craig, is we can send over carpenters, whatever it is, because they're building a city. So whatever's needed in a city. Ronnie needs it for the help. So if they want to help teach the children in the school, if they want whatever they want to do, they can use their their abilities there. And the reason why I like this project in in the years that uh, we have been involved in missions, oftentimes we can send them dollar bills and and but they don't to send over a church family to help is is really not uh, the most effective way. But here's a project where we can just say to the church we're going to be taking another tour. Come and join us, and uh, we've already built our Highlands house there at the uh, orphanage, so we can, how many can we accommodate, Ronnie? Uh, about 50, I think, in that place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Ronnie and I sat down a couple of years ago and, in a restaurant, and we drew out the kind of house we wanted and made it much like a, a motel, and with the idea that because the parents sometimes that are living want to come see their children, so it gives them a place to stay, and we have churches from all over the world coming there to help, so it gives them uh, some uh, living quarters, and... Uh, I guess when we send our team a couple of months, our kids are going to yeah. be staying there in the Highlands house. Yeah. So if you want to get more information, again, you can um, go to Ronnie Habor's website at livingwatersvillage.com. That's livingwatersvillage.com. You can also call Church of the Highlands in San Bruno if you'd like to find out more about the next opportunity to travel on a missions trip. You'll go with the intention of helping to change lives and come back a changed person. Yeah. Uh, on the web, churchofthehighlands.org, or you can call the church directly at area code 650-873-4095. That's 650 4095. Miracle Zone in the Jungles of Borneo. New book written and co-authored by Ronnie Habor and Pastor Don Sheely from Church of the Highlands. Ronnie, great to see you again. Appreciate the visit. Pastor Don Sheely, always wonderful to have you drop by. God bless you, Greg. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com. <laughs> 